What is going on, friends and fans? Ryan Dorn here. Another exciting podcast this month straight ahead. We got your listener questions. We're answering from Mike Opert at Openlook Business Solutions. Some digital strategy from Charity Huff over a January spring. And I'm going to be talking about the levers you need to pull to get urgency in place as you try to close out your sales year in a really, really strong way. What are you going to do to get those people to make a decision before the holidays are upon us? All that and more straight ahead here on the podcast. Stick around. Stay close. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. All right. Thanks, Deborah, for the great introduction. Always glad to be here with you, friends, and we're on and off all throughout the year. Boy, my travel schedule is getting crazy. Now, the pandemic is behind us, and we've got uh, that election behind us, and all kinds of madness, hopefully, behind us. But I don't know. I'm not confident, friends. I think uh, things are probably going to get a little bit worse before they get better. But fingers crossed that things will be going our way. All right, so as you think about the end of the year, one of the things that I often think about is what am I going to do to get my prospects to just sign on the dotted line? Now, as a lot of you know, I spend a lot of my time in digital technology and the media business as well. So we're in the midst of renewal season as we record this podcast. But, you know, urgency levers, urgency triggers are those things that we need to put in place all throughout the year, right? It's not just an end of year thing, but As we're looking at the end of the year, it is one of those things we need to make sure that we really do have in place. Now, urgency levers are things that you can do, levers, if you will, that you can pull to get somebody to create a little bit of action in their step, right? So what's the most common thing that we hear when we're on a sales call with a client? Probably the most common thing is, man, I really like it, but I need to think about it. It's one of those wah, wah, wah kind of situations. Now, one of the things, though, that we've talked about in our training classes, uh, whether you've come to like the Niche Media Conference or you've come to one of my other events, is we talk about setting up the call itself, the sales call itself for success. So a lot of you, you get maybes because, quite honestly, that's how you set up the entire conversation. You're actually driving towards a maybe. So some of the circumstances where you don't have urgency within your customers to make a decision, some of it is flat out our fault based upon the way that we set up that call. So let me talk about one of those things. You might be in a situation where one of the things that you do is you present your goods, your wares, your value propositions, and then you need to leave to create a proposal for somebody. Now, there are circumstances where you have to leave to create a proposal. I I get it. But in almost all the the circumstances that I sell within, I don't need to leave to create a proposal. Now, do a lot of my competitors do that? Oh, absolutely. They get this warm, fuzzy feeling by going and creating a customized proposal for somebody. Well, I'm not selling, you know, rocket science gear. I'm not selling brain surgery equipment here. And even if I was, I'd come with pricing ready to go. I want somebody to consider it while I'm sitting there in front of them. See, one of the biggest problems is the customer needs assessment. The customer needs assessment. I've talked about this for for years. Customer needs assessments really don't define what a customer needs. 
they should be called customer wants assessments because all the questions that we ask lead people to tell us what they want. Well, if you give somebody what they want, you have a customer for a very short period of time. If you give somebody what they need or if you advise them, recommend, guide them towards what they need, then you've got a customer forever. Here's what's interesting. No matter what you're selling, you almost always know when you're walking into a meeting sort of kind of what that customer probably needs to do. So I don't look at these meetings from, hey, I'm starting from square one. I look at these meetings as they're trusting me to come to them with ideas and recommendations ready to go. I'm asking questions to fine tune my recommendations. Now, there are circumstances where you've got to gather information. You can't give them a price until you're at the very end of the sales process. Well, friends, then ballpark it. I mean, come on. I, I consult with 15 different industries. I've got some people that are selling $50 million planes and still they don't say, well, you know what I need to do? Let's end this meeting and I'll go create you a proposal. It is what it is. OK, so I would say 90 some percent of the time, no matter what I'm advising on or selling, I need to get a level of excitement on that sales call. So what I'm doing is I'm typically using social proof or social stacking. What's social proof? Social proof is you're not the first company we've worked with. We've worked with company A, company B, company C. They've seen great success with us. That's called social proof. Social stacking, that's when you say to someone, hey, we've got this great idea for you. Uh, We thought we'd start with you. There's company A, company B, company C. We think all these companies could benefit, but we're starting with you. That's called a social stack. In both circumstances, we're trying to drive FOMO, and that is what creates some urgency. So as a lever you can pull is FOMO, as the kids call it, FOMO, fear of missing out. Pull that lever and use social proof or social stacking as a way to get them thinking, oh, man, I'm like the only person that's not engaged with this Ryan guy and his company. Social proof, social stacking, those that's one big lever that you can pull to create some level of urgency. All right, what's another in setting the meeting up for success, by the way? This whole, I've got to leave to create a proposal. You know what? If you're only doing it to make yourself feel better or you think it makes the client feel better, give me a break. Time to move forward, right? All right, second lever you can pull. People don't like it, but if you sign today, this is the price. If you sign tomorrow, that is the price. So if you sign today, the price is 100 bucks. If you sign tomorrow, it's 200 bucks. If you sign six months from now, it's going to be 500 bucks. Essentially, you're penalizing them for for waiting. Now, most people don't like this strategy and they don't like it because they can't handle the pressure. Friends, discounting or offering incentives rather for people to sign on the dotted line is super common. And by the way, it is super expected. So one of the next levers that you can pull is offering them incentives monetarily, financial incentives to actually buy today. So that would be the second lever would be some level of some type of financial incentive. All right. The third lever that you might really intimately think about pulling would be bonuses. Those type of things that you get extra stuff If you make a decision quickly, now you want to create a diminishing bonus structure, meaning you start with big things and the longer they wait, they actually lose things. So let me just give you sort of kind of a blind kind of basic example. If you could make this decision today or within the next 72 hours or something, give them a time frame, 
you're going to get these five additional things and then name off what those five things are. Now, after the week is up or the 72 hours, the two weeks, whatever time frame you set in place, you need at least 50% of those things to go away. Or you could take them all away if you wanted to do that. Now, you've got to be careful, though, because people will call your bluff. It's actually a pretty common tendency because we as salespeople, when somebody says, OK, yeah, I'm ready to make a decision. Yeah, that pricing expired like two weeks ago. Well, if you'll honor it now, I'll go ahead and give it to you. Well, guess what, friends? They know you're going to do it. They know you're going to do it. So there's a certain point in time where I believe you've got to burn a client every now and again. You've got to let them know, hey, you're really serious. So in an effort to not burn them, not make them mad, one of the things I like to say up front is, hey, I know a lot of salespeople after this two weeks is up, you know, they're 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 just going to give it to you anyway. I just want you to know my boss, my owner, whatever. I'm actually the boss, so I blame it on somebody else. <laughs> you know, the boss is not going to honor it after this particular point in time. So you want to give them some time incentives. And then in the end, make sure that if they try to call your bluff, you actually stick to it. Now, you could say, oh, man, that's expired. I mean, I could. I guess I mean, I could try. I mean, go to my boss and see. And then when you come back, don't give them everything. Say we couldn't do everything that we had before, but we could at least give you 50 percent of what the bonus is uh, that we had to offer. And then they'll feel like, well, at least I got something out of it. But maybe next time you come back to them, they won't sit there and wait quite so long. And that's an important piece of the puzzle. Now, the last one, the last lever, if you will, to pull that I want to talk about is rate protection. Now, if, say you're in a circumstance with software or you're doing media sales or insurance, something along those lines. Rate protection is, especially right now, everybody's raising rates on everything. Rate protection is a great lever to potentially be able to pull where you could say, hey, if you sign by Christmas time, I can I can give you the 2022 rates because we're going up 65 percent or whatever in 2023. Now, keep in mind, you want to make sure that the rate increase that you're giving is very, very clear. I don't talk to people in terms of percentages. So like if you sign today, it's going to save you 28% or 25%. Most percentages need to be turned around and calculated into actual dollars for them to actually be able to make sense. So rate protection, if they sign within a certain period of time, is something that's going to be a very good and strong lever to potentially pull. In the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of levers that you can pull. The social proof lever that I talked about, that fear of missing out. The most common lever is some type of financial incentive that you can pull. Now, keep in mind, I'm not a big fan of going to discounting right away, but we do need some level of urgency and people want to feel like they've gotten some kind of deal. The third level we talked about was bonusing people like they get extra stuff, not financial stuff, but they get extra features they get extra benefits, extra training, extra levels of support. Love when we can bonus training. Just remember, if they call your bluff and come back to you, don't give them all the bonuses. Give them like half of it. Make it feel like they've won in some capacity. That's a great lever to pull training is. And then that last one is rate protection, which is pretty, you know, pretty easy to explain. Friends. There are urgency levers, urgency triggers that you could potentially pull in anything that you sell, but you don't want to wait until the last minute. 
The old saying, failure to plan is planning to fail. Get your urgency levers figured out. Test them. Structure them. And make sure you're not just always going to discounts to get somebody to be urgent. Now, keep in mind, I was just under a kind of high-pressure sales situation where I had to make the decision today. It's not that I don't like that, and it's not that I don't respect people that try it. I would say to you, though, friends, a lot of times people need to think about stuff. They've got to talk to the boss. They've got to run it up the flagpole. It's a big expenditure. They just want to think about it. So my big thing is, you know, try to give somebody at least 72 hours to to think about it. I mean, if you can get away with doing it in a day, rock on with your bad self. That's that's awesome. Two weeks, way too long. One week, getting kind of long. So I feel like within the next 72 hours or something like that, that for me is a nice urgency lever. But you've got to figure out the urgency levers that you can pull that are really going to impact your sales game. Friends, never forget, don't keep these things hidden. These urgency levers are things you need to pull on a regular basis. People respond very well to incentives. And friends, never forget, if this job was easy, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And, and they're not friends, but this is a career. We're not crazy. This is a great career. And I promise you, friends, it will feed you for a lifetime. If you want more information about these urgency levers, head over to Amazon, buy my book, Selling Forward, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe there. And just don't forget, friends, there's never opportunities for you to miss out on using urgency levers to move the needle forward and get some action out of these customers. Coming up next, we've got digital strategy advice from Charity Huff, JanuarySpring.com out of Denver. Then we'll take a commercial break and we're going to have Mike Obert coming in from Open Look Business Solutions to answer your listener questions sent in to Ryan at OrionDorn.com. All right, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I didn't have some commercials here to play and some sponsors that take care of paying the bills. So if you'd be so kind, give me 45 seconds to pay some bills, learn about some great products and services, and we'll be back. This podcast is brought to you in part by the mechanical artisans at Monterey Watches, creating gorgeous, one-of-a-kind timepieces by hand just for you or as an incentive for sales teams. Ryan Dorn proudly wears his Monterey Watches, and you can find them on Instagram. Search for Monterey Watches. Also, a big thank you to the virtual team at open-look.com, your outsourcing experts. From virtual assistance to data cleanup to sales, the team at OpenLook will lighten your workload and increase your profits. Learn more online at open-look.com. How about digital revenue growth? Do you want your share of digital profits? Get signed up with the digital experts at JanuarySpring.com. From launch to sales to cashing in on those digital marketing profits, get on a strategy call with JanuarySpring.com. Hey, did you know that Ryan has a new book out? Yes, he does. It's called Selling Forward, and you can find it on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. Be sure to check it out. Selling Forward, the new sales book by Ryan Dorn. Free shipping for Amazon Prime members. Okay, now back to the show. Here's your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans, one of my favorite parts of the podcast each and every month is when we ring in and join in Charity Huff from January Spring. And I'm Charity, I'm, I'm really curious about something as we head into the fourth quarter here, or as we're a part of the fourth quarter here. I'm noticing that I've got some advertisers, unfortunately, that are making some changes to digital, etc., in their final months here of 2022. And I'm concerned that they might be making some budget changes for digital into 2023. I'm wondering, A, if you're seeing that, and B, what you guys might be 
thinking about doing about it. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's always good to be with you. And this is like the topic du jour. Every time I talk to a publisher partner, this is one of the questions they're asking me. We have seen even in Q3, and we're definitely seeing it in Q4, a bit of pullback in ad spend. Businesses are just hedging against inflation and recession concerns. But here's the good news, the silver lining to that. They've already made those budget adjustments. So we have read from multiple business um, journals and sources that 92% of advertisers have already cut their advertising spend through the end of 2022 in anticipation of what we keep seeing in the economic um, uh, forecast, right? Of the recession, of inflation not going down. So it's kind of already baked into budgets, if that makes sense. It really does. Um, One of the things that I'd love to share with folks that I'm saying out there on the street or in meetings is that actually now is a time to really carpe diem the moment as other companies are cutting back or making changes it artificially allows you to barely turn the volume up and have a really big impact. The example that I very often will give to folks is, imagine if you're in a room and there's two television sets on, the nature of turning one of those TV sets off means the clarity of the other becomes overwhelmingly apparent, even though you really didn't turn the volume up, the other just went away. So it's a moment in time where when an advertiser is cutting back or making those changes that you potentially can either say to them, hey, be careful, like I have a concern, may I share my concern with you? Um, And the other flip side would be they already cut. So you go to another advertiser and say, hey, now's the time for you to turn the volume up because the nature of them being off the field means you kind of got the whole field in front of you, like turn the volume up um, if that that makes sense. It totally does. You know, um, Jamie and I were on with um, a regional uh, publisher client this morning on a planning meeting for 2023, and we can watch their big advertisers competitors and we can see when they turn the volume up on Google and what that does to drive up cost per click on um, Google AdWords. So you can, you're totally right. Like you can watch and, and take advantage of what's happening in Q4. Um, because one of the things that we're also watching is that this year consumers really think of um, all of these different channels, whether it's I'm on my desktop, my tablet, my mobile phone, I'm reading an email, like all of it is just this fluid experience with a brand. So whether it's a publication, whether it's an OEM manufacturer, whether it's a little retail shop, me as the buyer, the person buying from that company, I want the same experience no matter where I go. And so What's happening is that even while budgets are dropping, we're just seeing a bit more concentration in particular channels. Does that make sense too? It really does. And it's important for us to be as fluid as we can, be um, as, give, us, give the clients the ability to make changes that they feel are important. I really don't feel like now is a time to be um, sort of holding people to rates and in, in short rating people and penalizing them. I feel like we're all in this sort of together. And I think that statement is slightly overused, but we are kind of all in this together and let's create scenarios for advertisers, be real proactive to, to help them 
and show them that we can use programmatic, well, all the programmatic stuff. I was just going to name it all. We can use the programmatic piece, you know, to be able to fill in gaps and then really create the driving force behind people making decisions. Because I don't even know, you might have some stats to share too. I I feel like it used to be, you have to be in front of somebody seven times. And then I know oh, Jay, yeah. Bear, Jay Bear said it was like 30. And then Christopher Lester was like, it's more like 50. I, the, I feel the going like, stat is somewhere between 60 and 20. Crazy, right? right. Uh, crazy. When you think yeah. about how much you have to really bang the boom, 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 same drum over and over again. That's right. Um, the other thing too is social, in my opinion. Um, what I've observed is that social is not a differentiating factor. Um, everyone's doing it. So the way to Table be stakes. different, the way to be different is to do these kind of things that we're talking about, uh, like OTT, CTV, uh, yes. running these video ads that you can show on Hulu, Roku, all that kind of stuff. But maybe you do have some other stats related to this conversation that that you can throw out there. <laughs> no, I definitely. So this is the one that always blows people away. Um, and and um, this is from our friends over at Burrell who have mm -hmm. really good um, data specific to our media industry. They're saying that if you are a larger, more agency-esque buyer, you're probably buying somewhere between five to 10 total advertising channels in order to get your message out. If you're a smaller kind of B to C consumer buyer, you're likely buying closer to five total channels. So really start to think of it like you just said, okay, if I'm a bigger buyer and I've got 10 channels and I know that my um, budget is shrinking a bit, then do I cut channels or do I cut back in the spend in each channel, right? And so that's the strategic conversation you can have with somebody for 2023 is let's set your full 2023 budget. We can work in 60 day sprints because we know the market's going to continue to change and we're going to have to make near term decisions while we're still branding you for the full 2023 year. Right, exactly. And that is one of the beautiful parts. And I'm, as you know, I mean, I love newspapers, magazines, traditional me, I love it. One of the beauties of the digital side of the business is as things change, it's just a little bit easier to change. For sure. Now, I'm not saying we should change every, you know, every day. And I do believe that some folks out there have become marketing day traders. Like they're trying to monitor it day in and day out. Oh gosh. Most of the businesses that are listeners here of the podcast, it's really not going to be the circumstance. If they're creating a holistic program, they should readjust and look at it. What do you think? Like every 60 days, 90 That's, days? Yeah, exactly. We think best practice is to, is to update your and refresh your creative every 30 days, but look at your channels in the, in the way. And when I say channels, I mean, uh, programmatic display versus streaming TV versus audio versus social versus email versus print, right? Those are all the channels every advertiser should be using. And then how are those each of those channels performing and what, what changes do we need to make? Not like, oh, let's just turn it on and off, but how do we fluidly make changes so that we're reacting to the market and we're using that feedback for the next round? Right. And let's go back to like this 50, 20 to 60 exposures. Right. You just don't know when someone's going to have a need. So you just have to be in front of them all the time. Exactly. Same thing applies to my sales training. I don't know when someone's going to have a need for it. Now, there are certain things that are obviously more holiday specific. We're obviously going to eat far more pumpkin pie coming up here in a couple, you know, a couple weeks or whatever it is, three, four weeks. 
Um, so there, that's need is a little bit different. Um, but overall, we don't know when someone's going to buy an MRI machine, or we don't know when someone's going to um, change over their uh, gas fleet to an electric fleet. We just don't know. We can look at the stats, but the idea would be just good old fashioned Toma, top of mind awareness, be in front of people in multiple ways on multiple days and just let the chips fall where they may. The nice thing is it is cyclical. Right. Um, you know, but cars, heck, you're going to drive the same car now for like 12 years. That's crazy. Um, especially if you're a Subaru owner, they're keeping them for 14 years now, um, which I'm like, wow, holy cow. Um, I should consider doing that. <laughs> It'd be better on my pocketbook not to change every four or five years. You know, that's for sure. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, friends, listening. The conversation that Charity and I just had, which, by the way, is completely unrehearsed in case anybody thinks it is, is the strategy that you'll get when you sit down and when you talk with Charity and her team. And this is the strategy conversation that truly a lot of you need to have as you're looking at 2023 and beyond to just make more money, in my opinion. Any final thoughts before we send people on their way? No, I would just say we are earning full 2023 budgets in Q4 because we're putting together the plans and we're asking for the full year budget alongside our publishers. So I know it's possible and I would say, let's go do it. And you know, I think you talk, do you call it the big ask? Is that what you yes. call it? Yes. Um, is, is, I love that by the way, make sure you copyright it, trademark and all that. I'll give you six months and I'll steal it, right? Um, <laughs> The big ask is the big thing, right? Don't be afraid for the big ask. It can always back you down. Don't start low and go up. Ask for the big money and then let them whittle you down from there. Indeed, indeed. And it, all it takes is coming in, differentiating yourself and being a true consultant strategist and not just coming in being an order taker. Absolutely. I say all the time, friends, advisors recommend stuff. Salespeople sell stuff. Are you an advisor or are you a salesperson? And just change the way that you think about it. So, all right, friends. Well, JanuarySpring.com is the website. Um, reach out to uh, to Charity and the great team uh, that's over there. Um, get some great advice as you try to close the year strong and roll into 2023 with all kinds of, of great revenue. So thanks, Charity. I know we talked a little bit longer than normal, and I think it was great. So appreciate you very, very much. Always enjoy my time with you. Thank you. All right, friends and fans, that time of the program, every single episode, where I dial in uh, Mike Ober from Open Look Business Solutions, zero three two outsourcing, Yay. and we answer your listener questions. Send in Ryan at ryandoran.com. And friends, I'll tell you this: if we don't answer your questions, like literally, we have gone to heaven. I promise. We will always answer your questions either on the show or I'll answer your questions via email. But uh, Mike, hope things are going well as we get towards the uh, end of the year for all of you. How are things going? Ah, it's football season, man. I love it. <laughs> we get to watch games again. Things are good, man. Things are good. 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 It's always, always, always enjoy football season. And because I'm in hot South Carolina, I always enjoy the fall too, because it gives us a little break from being 90 degrees uh, every day. So that's always good uh, as well. So, All right. So uh, we got three questions. Stephanie, or I'm sorry, Stephen from Sacramento, Daniel from Detroit, and Tracy from Lake Forest, Illinois. And so let's answer these questions, Mike. Um, Steven from Sacramento. Hey, Mike and Ryan. Look, they're saying they're sending it to Mike first, like Mike and Ryan. Hey, Mike and Ryan. <laughs> yeah, All they, right. I Yeah, the question is <laughs> the question is serious. So let's uh, let's be serious about it. All right. Steven says or asks, uh, guys, I'm extremely frustrated with the sales game and I'm thinking about quitting. I feel like every day is just a flat out losing battle. Any thoughts or advice before I make the move away from sales? 
So, Mike, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll throw this, throw some thoughts down first on this one, if you don't yeah. mind. Yep, you got it. So, Stephen, it may not be the sales game that you're frustrated with. It could just be the product you're selling. It could just be the town you're selling in. It could be that uh, you've got a, a, a frustrating supervisor. Um, we'll talk about a, a frustrated supervisor here in just a second uh, with Tracy's question. So, Stephen, uh, you know, the sales game is a really, really good game. Now, it's not for everybody. I don't know how long you've been selling. But sometimes it's a matter of changing companies or changing products. Um, the other piece that you might consider is um, is just getting on a different frequency, just doing different things. Um, if everything you're doing is not working, do things differently. You'd be amazed, uh, Stephen, the number of times that I talk with people that want to quit and they're doing the same thing every day and expecting a different result and trying to redefine insanity. The other thing is, and then Mike, I'll toss it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, I don't know what you think about this. There's nothing wrong with changing jobs and uh, maybe get out of sales for a little bit. Sales has got a lot of facets to it. So maybe yeah. do something different for a while. Then you realize, oh man, I really miss selling, you know, is my yeah. thought. Uh, yeah. Mike, what do you think about uh, Steven's question? Because I don't want to Well, I've, I've probably handed in my resignation to myself multiple times <laughs> too. <laughs> like, man, I, this sucks. I, I'm quitting. But here's what I always come back to. I always think of my sales position. Am I playing baseball or am I playing basketball or am I playing football? And what I mean by that is like in baseball, to be a good hitter in baseball, you're failing 80% of the time. You know, right. your, your success rate is you know, if you're hitting 250 to 300, you're great. So I always try and break down my pipeline of like, all right, how many deals am I closing? Am I, am I a good closer at 25% of the time or am I an NBA player? And, you know, I need to be hitting 50% of my shots. So right. I try to figure out, okay, what, what am I more related to baseball, basketball? Uh, what should my percentages be so that I can track, am I winning or losing? Um, and then, uh, celebrating like little victories. Like that's where I get frustrated I too. It's like, yeah, even if you're not closing deals, celebrate the victory of like, look, I, I set up 10 appointments this week, which is going to be turning into sales eventually. So those are some of the things that I've done. Yeah. And also, you know, you could uh, get a coach, um, you could find a different mentor. Um, sales is a great business. Maybe it's time to take a little break from it. You know, you could do that as well and realize sometimes, you know, Mike, the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. And what I've observed is once you get over there, you realize that, you know, the dog, there's dogs that live there and stuff you have to pick up. <laughs> you know, yeah. The grass yeah. over there needs to be mowed and watered and fertilized. Yeah. So sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. And the grass always looks greener until you get over there. And then you realize, ah, this has got to be mowed as well. Yeah, so, you know, uh, last thing about it, like networking groups, uh, mm -hmm. people that are in the same boat as you and like, a, you know, the niche media conference that you do, Ryan, you know, a lot of salespeople in the same room, you can go and say, hey, what are you, are you struggling with this? Like I am, um, those always help too. Like when you find people in the same boat as you and it, you know, you can flush out problems and ideas and challenges and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Stephen, nothing wrong with changing, nothing wrong with uh, trying some different things. Um, we just hate to see anybody quit the sales business, don't we, Mike? Because it's such yeah. a great business. So You can yeah. make some money. Money can be made. That's right. All right. Um, let's go to the next one here. Daniel from Detroit. Um, I hear you guys talk about outsourcing sales tasks all the time. If you'd be so kind, can you please be specific of what sales tasks you personally outsource? So can I take that? Can I, I take I that? Guess, I guess since you're the outsourcing guy, <laughs> I should right. throw that one over to you, Mike. Mike, what are the yeah. most common sales tasks that your customers are outsourcing to your team? 
Right. So this is, uh, we've got a lot of customers and clients that are using, they call them uh, virtual assistants that are helping the sales team. And some of the things that those people are using them for would be sending out proposals, uh, setting appointments for them. When I say setting appointments, it would be, hey, I need to meet with Ryan Dorn. Could you set up an appointment with him on Thursday? Uh, list building of like, hey, I need to find every uh, car dealership in North Texas. Uh, go put a list together for me so that I can follow up and call those people. Uh, doing actual proposals of, hey, I need them to, you know, you always uh, talk to people about doing things in three of a big package, a medium package, a small package. Hey, I need North uh, Central Ford here in Dallas to get the medium package. So they'll put those proposals together. So uh, chasing ad copy, uh, any of those tasks that, uh, that will take away your time from selling is what I see a lot of people using uh, virtual assistants or executive assistants uh, to uh, outsourcing some of those sales tasks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I use my virtual assistants uh, through OpenLook that do database development, database cleanup. Um, those are two very common things that I have yeah. to do on a regular basis. You can yeah. have your virtual assistant log into your email and delete spam. I have probably, I don't know, hundred some spam emails a day. And just looking in your inbox after you have someone delete for you, um, they get good at it. Then you're like, wow, I don't have as much email coming in. You spend a lot of time deleting email and things Correct. like that. Yep. Setting, um, setting appointments and following up on your, like on your schedule is something that can be helpful uh, as well. Yes. Um, what else, Mike? What are we missing? Uh, I mean, it, it, again, it, it's all those tasks that are mm -hmm. repetitive and take time. Uh, that I have found that people are very successful when they get the virtual assistant of here's your daily task. This is what I want you to do for me. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, connecting with that person to make sure right. that everything's been done. Yeah. And, and be fair too, because um, the best virtual assistants I've ever had are those that I spend considerable time training. So I record a lot of videos for them just yesterday. Uh, you know, my virtual assistant, I had something I needed done. I recorded a video to show what needed to be done. And then, you know, off she ran from there. So it's it's interesting. People feel like they want to duplicate themselves. That's really not what you're doing. You're just trying to take tasks that are quite honestly below your pay grade um, right. and putting them off on somebody else. So Daniel uh, from Detroit, thank you for that layup for Mike. Today. Yeah. Call me, call me Daniel if you need yeah. more, more advice. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, last question here. Um, Tracy from Lake Forest, Illinois. Um, which, by the way, Mike, that's like literally down the road from, from Deerfield, uh, Deerfield, Illinois, where I went to, I went to Trinity College. Um, Tracy from Lake Forest uh, asked a serious question. Hey, guys, my question is in regards to my supervisor. Uh oh. Every day seems to be a struggle trying to convince my supervisor that using LinkedIn and social media is actually a great sales resource. He sees it as a complete waste of time. Any thoughts on what I can do to change his mind? So Tracy, let me give you a couple of thoughts and then maybe Mike's got some as well. First, I would highly recommend that you do what your supervisor says. <laughs> now, I know that seems pretty basic, but you know, you kind of need to do what you're told to do unless you're looking for, you know, a, a different job. The other thing though, is I think you need to connect the dots for the supervisor. So when you are uh, on Facebook or you're on LinkedIn and they see you on those websites, their mind immediately goes to, oh, you're wasting time because you haven't done a good job perhaps of connecting the dots. Um, it's sort of like when a supervisor hears people laughing in the office and they think, oh, they need more to do. 
or they're just enjoying their job, you know? So a lot of times you have to connect the dots. So what you might consider doing is after you close a, a good deal is go back to your supervisor and say, if you don't mind, could I just share an experience that I had with you in closing this deal? They're gonna say, yes. All right, so what I did is I first started out on LinkedIn and I did these three things. I connected with the person, I followed them, I liked their posts, I shared some things. Then I used LinkedIn to get a meeting with that person. And then after the meeting, I did some follow-up through LinkedIn and email and things like that. So when you connect the dots for the supervisor, they typically, oh, okay, so you're kind of proving it to them without sort of shoving it in their face and making it argumentative. So Tracy, that would be my thoughts on how to kind of convince your supervisor. Mike, I don't even know what you how you feel about using LinkedIn and all that for sales. I, I assume you're like me and, and you think it's a good source oh, resource. Yes. What are your thoughts on Tracy's yeah. question? Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. It's data, data, data. Like if you've got the data to support what you're doing, I think any supervisor would look at that data and say, okay, great. They know what they're doing. And what I mean data, like we, we do a good job, I think, uh, at our company of tracking where a lead comes from, whether it uh, comes from social media, uh, if it's an inbound lead, how did they get to us? Good idea. Um, so uh, anything you can do to track through your CRM, uh, where leads are coming from can help you with, uh, you know, going back to your supervisor and say, hey, 40% of my leads come from LinkedIn or some sort of social media. Right. Now, it's it's sort of like the saying, it's not what you say, you say it. You come back and you're kind of like, nah, 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 look what I did. Then I don't think it's going to work out. But if you can actually lay out a good case study um, for it, I think in the end, um, you know, you'll have some pretty good success really convincing that supervisor that, hey, this is really a good, valuable resource and not a waste of my time. So Tracy from Lake Forest, Illinois, hope that's helpful to you. Uh, Daniel from Detroit, um, hope you'll reach out and maybe outsource some stuff. And then Steven from Sacramento. Hey, buddy, we'd love for you to send us an email. If you decide to stay in the business, let us know that maybe this uh, this advice uh, you know helped as well. And as always, Mike, thanks so much for uh, chiming in. Uh, Brian, my, my favorite time of the month is getting to spend these 15 minutes with you. All right, friends. So that is the podcast for the month. We sure appreciate you listening each and every month. Do us a favor and spread the word. I'd uh, love to come speak at your sales conferences. Uh, I'm doing a lot of that, speaking two or three times a month. Um, so reach out to me. Love to come to speak at your uh, sales conferences, your national sales meetings, and get your team all pumped up. And then also don't forget about our fundraiser. Uh, if you head over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order my new book, Selling Forward, uh, the, all the profits after a printing, et cetera, are going to go to the Golden Harvest Food Bank. If you don't have one in your area, be sure to donate to the Feeding uh, Feed America uh, Network. So the website is RyanDorn.com if you want to connect with me and have me come to your sales meetings or whatever, things like that. And as always, we sure appreciate you. Never forget, friends, if sales was easy, everybody would be doing it, and they're not. We're not crazy. We're the chosen few. We found this career that'll feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless you. Get out there and sell something, and we will see you next month. <laughs>